Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. This is Mara. Welcome to You Are Okay with Blog Talk Radio. Today, I'd like to play Bill Be Still Thy Soul a few minutes after we discuss the lyrics, because I think the lyrics are important to keep in mind and to hear, because sometimes they become a little muted or muddled. On a mountain in a valley, I behold only God. In hardship, I see God by my side. In ease and well-being, I behold only God. Like a candle, I melt it. Sparks of the flames, I behold only God. Rabia the mystic. What's interesting is hearing the words and thinking about the words from someone who is not a Christian saint or philosopher or biblical speaker makes many people nervous. And to me, that's a minimization of God. Rabia the mystic is an Islamic prophet. Islamic saint is probably the better word. Another favorite story of mine about her deals with her asking someone to bring her a blanket from the market. And the person went to the market and came back and asked which color did she want, black or white. And Rabia stated, what? Even with blankets? Yeah, folks. How much have we ju- allowed our judgments about what's right and what's wrong, our prejudgments, to affect all parts of our lives? Over the last two weeks, I've been especially troubled by what I'm seeing going on in the world, what I'm seeing going on in the United States the indifference of some to others, people acting as though there's only one right religion and they forget that even Jesus, and I'm not minimizing Jesus, but Jesus said, my father's home has many mansions. There's room for everybody, folks. We don't need to have a right way to worship God. We don't have to pick black or white. What we have to do is ask ourselves, how did we get here and how much change are we willing to go? This is not a new phenomena. The poor, the uneducated have been chastised and discriminated against for years. Why do you think we have, you know, Charles Dickens writing? He was a social conscience of his time. Did he awaken very many people? I can't speak to that because I'm a historian of that time period. But I can tell you when you have Oliver with his peers singing, 
food, glorious food. I'm anxious to try some. Now I'm in the mood. I'm anxious to buy some food, porridge, and caviar. What next is the question? Rich gentlemen have a voice in digestion. Yeah. There's a statement, not in the screenplay or in the, the play itself that was created, but there's a statement in the fact that that was a part of what Charles Dickens was writing about. So what we're facing today in the United States is an age-old issue. I wish that I could say that you're going to walk away with solutions, but I am going to suggest some things you can do for yourself to help you be a solution. I've prayed about this. I've anguished about this. I've felt like I was going to lose my breakfast over this. And in the end, I just asked God to speak through me. Give me the words that for those few people who listen to this show, maybe two, may stop the next time they judge someone. Whether per The judgment is based on the person's wealth because the person can never have enough. Or it's based on someone's poverty and they don't have enough. And I thought that the beginning to that today might be to say something that's pretty simple. I think it runs across most things. It certainly runs across some philosophies of life, like Buddhism. I don't consider Buddhism a religion. And the one thing that is happening in most faiths is people are striving to be close to God. And many believe that there's not enough space in heaven for everyone and do not believe for a midnight minute enough God for everyone. The day the Lord hath given, rejoice and be glad in it. So we're going to talk a bit today after we listen to Be Still Thy Soul. We're going to talk about what we have in common. Those things that we share are humanity that each one of us is endowed by our creator with a divine purpose, that each one of us has an opportunity to be the spark to change the world and to change thinking. But in order to do that, we have to be prepared to climb the stairs to heaven Across the miles and miles and years and years of man judging each other as less than to come to know ourselves. And that's what we're going to talk about. 
after we listen to Be Still Thy Soul. Now, I played Be Still Thy Soul every week. I also use the Rabia the mystic quote every week. There are stories that I have been telling over and over again. I think I started this show back in 2007 or 2008. I mean, it's been a long time. And there was a time when I would just rush in every Sunday and do a show. They were just like clockwork. It was almost obligatory. But then lately, that hasn't been the case. And these last two weeks, I have been frozen. The Greeks, the ancient Greeks, called where I was, Acedia, A-C-E-D-I-A. When one becomes awash in stress, whether it's about oneself, one's children, the world, the politics in the United States, Whatever it's about, when one becomes awash, totally flooded about something, they tend to stop. Now, what do we do in that period of stop? I have someone on hold here, I think, or they're listening. I'll I'll come to you in just a moment. We have some in that period of being stopped and stalled. Their mind is just, for me, I can describe my mind as thinking. My, um, I, I was told recently by a friend that I think, 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 think. Probably I think too much. But here we are awash in a time of stress. And the natural human inclination is to reach out and judge. And I'm going to suggest, as Be Still Thy Soul suggests, the answer to acedia, A-C-E-D-I-A, is within you. The words of the lyrics to Be Still Thy Soul go as follows. Be still thy soul. Relinquish this hold. Make thee again whole. Be still thy mind. Let thee unwind and seek out a shrine. Harvest the gold that's planted around you, strand by strand. You'll be somewhat more certain. Carve out your role and reach for the heavens. All you can dream, what you can be, know that the sky will deliver. Easter thy heart with journeys afar and rivers of stars. Bestow thy love on all that ye touch and on all that ye may. Hence, let it be told that rhyme will be reason. Paint your world with shades that will uplift you and break break from the mold. Shake off the illusions never again lost in dismay. All that you need is within you. Be still thy soul and fix on the goal. Thy tale will be told. Be still my mind, make thee one with the source of life. We all come from God, my friends. We all come from God. So I'm going to go back and play Be Still Thy Soul. Maybe, yeah, I'm going to play it, Be Still Thy Soul. 
Whoever is there from 111, I'm not sure what area code that is. I will be back to you, I promise. As I said so many times, that song came out with the grid back when my daughter was in Iraq. So back in like 2008 or 2009, and my grandson who was living with me while his mother was overseas and I got up in the middle of the night because everyone got up at exactly the same time. 
everyone, or not up, but everyone came together with their prayers at exactly the same time. Now, I have some people who would say to me, oh, that's new age stuff. What is new age? Believing in God with your heart, your mind, and your soul. Believing that you should love others as you love yourself. That's new age. I think that's what will be our recovery, quite frankly. And my recovery from recovery, excuse me, from my moment of acedia, and by the way, folks, that's perfectly normal human to stop and freeze. My recovery arose from my reading two books. One is called Liar's Circus. I'm not going to get involved in politics, but it was a discussion. Maybe I am on a little bit of a level. It was a discussion about this man, this journalist, who went to multiple Trump rallies and what he observed and what he came to know. What's interesting is, in spite of his initial instincts, that he wasn't going to form any fast friendships. I think he did. In spite of his initial judgments, that the people who were supporting President Trump were somehow less than, I don't think he thinks that. But I think he came to an understanding that's very similar to the understanding that my high school social studies teacher had when we were studying world history. It was a long time ago, folks. I've been trying to calculate the years. And so it had to have been like 1963. No, 1964 is when I was a sophomore in high school. And my mind was like a sponge, and that's probably why I turned to books for answers, to help me understand, because I knew that I could not judge. I had to let go of all of this anger and these words that were judging and belittling. It accomplishes nothing. More importantly, some of the people at those rallies, are probably from the very same stock of people that my family came from in Appalachia that I knew as a child. So what did my high school teacher say? At this point, we had moved to California. My high school teacher said that after World War I, Europe and the United States was so angry at the Germans who were worthless pieces of you-know-what. And so what were they going to do? Take the money that Germany needed to recover from the war and make them pay reparations. So drive Germany into economic despair 
destroying what many Germans understood to be the day-to-day life that they lived. They made a ripe, fertile ground for someone to come and say, you are enough. You are not only the enough, you are the best. And I am going to make sure the world knows you are the best. And we have these enemies of the state. And those enemies are the Jews and the gypsies. And the solution is let's get rid of them. Let's drive them away. Anything to create the hope of more jobs, more money, feeding their children. Folks, I don't know if you've ever had beans and white bread, but believe me, it is not very tasty. Just the texture of it is something that causes my stomach to get tight right now as an adult, an old adult. I didn't understand why people were bringing bags of food to our house, but I know that when they brought those bags of food, we ate. And I was the oldest child. And even as a child, I found comfort in books. So what the author of Liars Circus talked about was how we as a nation have repeated in our own country what happened that set the playing field for someone to come in and make promises that are impossible to keep. To fuel anger that is justified because of the judgment that they see, they feel and experience. Let me tell you folks, if you haven't been poor, you don't know the judgment to keep you down. That one who is determined to climb up faces against your children, it's against you. I can remember my father shouting at a bank who was telling him, what it was going to cost to buy a house. We had never had a house. And in his mind, he was being taken advantage of because he was going to ultimately pay for the house twice. And that was wrong. So we never really had a house. Ultimately, my parents, after I became an adult, bought a strip of land and put um, a mobile home And we had to be very careful to call it a mobile home. And when I would take my mother places, she was so proud of her piece of property because that, for her age, defined so much. People are defined in our country by their jobs, by what they have, by their ability to feed their children, by their ability to clothe their children, by their ability to educate their children. 
And there's a gap. We close our eyes to the gap. The little stores and towns across the country have had to shut down because of the big corporate Walmart and all other corporations, which are doing very well. And they can buy in such mass that they can sell and undersell. But it's hard to live without enough and be told you are not enough to have enough. Think about those words. You are not enough to deserve enough. That's what that book is about to me. Everyone else can read it themselves. Liar Circus. It's a one-day read for me. I don't know how fast people read, so I'm not going to say anything. But it, it wasn't a hard read, but it was an upsetting read. Because it reminds me of times past, of the judgments, of the efforts to deny that you are enough to graduate with honors. You are enough to go to college. You are enough to move up in society. One of my bosses, when I was uh, uh, in a county council's office in California, always telling me how I should vote based on what I had accumulated. And one day, we went for a ride to a meeting. And as we were coming back, if he went left, we would be headed back to where we were from. And if he went right, we would be headed past my parents' home, their mobile home, which always had a car or two sitting outside with the engine, whatever that hood thing, uh, not working, a little bit of trash, maybe sometimes more trash depending upon where you live, but it was their home. It was the home my mother was so proud to tell people she had. And we drove past there. And I said, look to your right, please. As we came in, I shot of it. And we drove and we came up to this little gate that they had and I said, you can turn here. This is my parents' home. Now, had we gone down that road to my parents' home, I have no doubt that they would have been courteous, that they would have been kind and they would have been so honored to have my boss stop by. But the reality is, he and I were caught in the struggle of not enough, and we didn't have enough time to stop that day. Because we needed to go back and do legal work in order to prove ourselves so that we would get the wages and the promotions in life that we wanted to have come to us. So we turned around, and then I said to him, now, I think you would be ashamed if I had different political beliefs in light of where I came from. I will never forget. As much as our society wants to forget as much as we want to buy into the idea that those who have the most deserve more, 
and those who have the least do not even deserve what they have. They don't deserve the things they have. That creates an anger, folks. Is that what God wants us to do? Are we asking ourselves enough questions? So, in my pursuit of answers, not that I found very many, I then read another book, an interesting one. It's called The Day I Was Crucified. Wow. What a dynamic book. What a dynamic book. I'm not going to say it aligns with everything I believe about life and about God, but I will say this aligns with my belief that when Jesus died on that cross, he died. So that everyone would recognize everyone else is enough, that we are all enough, that we all deserve food, that the rules and regulations that Judge is less than and more than some died that day, that the judgment that some are sinners and therefore don't deserve died that day. That God came as a result of his son's death and created a new social order, but man went right back the way things have always been. Persecuting those who did not have enough, accumulating wealth for those who had more than enough and causing people to feel as though they were not enough. I was surprised at how moved I was by that book. And I was surprised that God led me to that book, to those two books last week, as I was looking for answers on what to say here. I'm sure that some of you, maybe the person from Louisiana who called earlier and hung up, uh, are looking to judge me. But that's okay. That's okay. We need to ask each other more questions, my friends. We need to focus on the fact that we are on a soul journey. We are on a solo journey to rejoin our Father, the creator of all things. And what do we share in common? We share that divine connection. No matter what you call God, when you study it, We're all talking about the same being. We're all talking about a being 
that his messengers have repeatedly told us, and Christ told us, is love. We're talking about the same journey. We're talking about ignoring the admonition in the Bible to judge not. Because when you judge, you make a decision that someone is worthy and someone is not. And what are they worthy of? Kindness, food, shelter, generosity of spirit. They are worthy. We are all enough and we are all worthy. And we need to step past worrying about who wants to call us names. Sticks and stones is what my mom used to say, because I've always been weird if that's not, I'm sure that's no surprise. And the kids used to call me names. My mom would say, sticks and stones will hurt my bones, but names will, ne- words will never hurt me. And I would say that even though we all know that it's not really 100% true, It didn't become really 100% true until I recognized that God was with me always. Even in my darkest hours, God is there. I am not alone. I am loved. I'm not special. You're loved. We all are loved, and God is there for us. But we need to ask ourselves, about some of our behavior. And I've been being pretty direct with my friends when they say, try to explain to me that there's some sort of Third Amendment right that they don't have to wear masks. I remind them that the Third Amendment of the Constitution talks about our being protected from the government telling us that we have to house soldiers or the militia. No one can force soldiers in our homes thanks to the Third Amendment. It doesn't even mention face masks. I'm not sure face masks were part of life then, but it doesn't mention face masks. But look at your soul and at yourself and ask yourself, why are you so afraid of wearing a face mask? Why are you so afraid of R-E-S-P-E-C-T to another human being. Would you rather your grandparents kick the bucket or your parents? It's created a world where it's frightening to be old because it seems as though we're having that soylent green moment where if you're past a certain age, you've lost your value and your usefulness. And yet, my friends, I will share with you what we have when we are old is stories. We've experienced a lot in life, and we have stories. We may not have achieved everything that was some other person's view of our potential. We may not be righteous enough. We may not be politically conservative enough, but we exist and we have stories. And that's the beautiful 
part of Liars Club is you heard the stories. We need to start asking questions of each other. Rather than getting angry and confrontational when someone doesn't want to wear a face mask, recognize you have the choice to walk away from that person. But you can quietly say, why do you think that you don't need to wear a face mask? Because as we all reach deep inside of ourselves, when things come to a personal place of explaining our conduct on a personal level, most people have not engaged in that introspection. They haven't thought about it. They haven't thought about the idea, the thinking that because I have one black friend, that means that I have no racism in me. Maybe those black friends were willing to overlook that racism. Or maybe they weren't brave enough to say, like one of my friends said to me when I was young, and I said, well, I don't really see color. She said, of course you do. Maybe looking at it personally to the congressman, and I don't know what party he was in. I just read the thing that he said that he was now afraid because of the protests for his sons. And I wanted to ask him, are your sons at risk every day when they drive their car, if they have a traffic stop of getting killed? What does that fear feel like? Can you imagine that fear as part of your life every day, all day long, from the moment you pick up that first baby and you teach him or her to walk? But we aren't engaging and asking questions because everyone is deflecting. And there's like a set statement you're supposed to say. There's a script. We are writing a script that can do much, my friends. But I don't know how much change you're willing to make and how much change you want. I ask one of the questions I thought people should consider is, what are you afraid of that justifies your speaking and acting on your darkest words and thoughts? Why are you afraid to say black lives matter, that brown lives matter, that Asian lives matter? What does, why does using those words threaten you? Ask yourself, does it threaten you because it makes you feel like you're not enough? That you're not deserving of respect? Have you lived a life of not being respected? Let me tell you, folks, the poor in our country are disrespected. They are not valued. And there's like a hooded look that comes over people's eyes as they look askance when someone says, I, says I'm equal to everyone. What exactly does that mean? If I'm equal to everyone. It doesn't say I'm better. Why is that so frightening and so threatening? 
I would ask people, what are you losing by not wearing a face mask? What are you gaining? My brothers, I grew up in a shooting family, and my brother served in the military, so I have feelings about all of this military stuff too, but I'm not going there today because that's not what it's about. It's about what each one of us do, and I have no doubt that the people who listen to my show would never, never, never say that someone in the military is a loser. It just wouldn't happen. So we're not going to take our time with that today because for some reason, deep inside your core, you know why you wouldn't do that why you wouldn't give that level of disrespect if it's true. And you have made your own life decisions. Why do some of you take assault weapons to protest? My brothers tell me that assault weapons have no purpose except in war. This is a country that was founded on beautiful principles. And although the climb up those stairs may be hard, damn it, we can do the climb. Me, a woman born in 1948, was permitted to do the climb up the stairs. It wasn't always easy, and sometimes I was pushed back one or two. But God took my hand and helped continue to guide me up the stairs. That's this country. Why are we turning a blind eye to those in need, to the poor, to the people in the Midwest whose communities have been decimated by large corporations and large corporate farmers. The first time I heard the words agribusiness was when I was in a junior in college in 1969. And it was from the same instructor who was telling us that the majority of the people who die in war grow up in houses where they're found not to be deserving of having enough. But they are full of patriotism and love of country. What's what's going on? How did we get here? How can people take their Bibles and spew hate? What happened to judge not? Hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Matthew. Jesus added a commandment. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone knows that you are my disciples. put a yeah but at the end of these things and make it okay to not pay attention to those without in our country. 
Loving others as you love yourself is not a political thing. Wearing face masks is not a political thing. Wanting to have an assault weapon is not really a political thing. Harming each other is not a political thing. It's something that comes from ourselves. And what we have decided is possible based on our life experiences. We need to stop judging each other as unworthy. Take time to listen with the ears of those who speak. Take time to understand. Take time to explain your position. Try asking questions. Try leading with love. Ask yourself, what would love do now? As Anil said, paint your world with shades that will uplift you and break, break from the mold. Shake off the illusions, never again lost in dismay. All that you need is within you. Be still thy soul and fix on the goal. The tale will be told. Be still thy mind. Make thee one with the source of life. Huge, gigantic request. Because if we set aside everything that we've come to believe based on our life experiences, we put those off on the side and talk with each other to develop solutions. No one believe that their child is at risk every day of their life, that they're out of your sight. What do we do about that? My friends, I don't know you personally, but I know this, that one of the listeners here has an answer to that, knows what we need to do. Because that's the one thing that I came away from my prayer with is I have no magic answers except to encourage people to see more in others than they are showing you, to go within yourself to that place where God put that spark of light. And when you choose to act, look at your fear squarely and then ask questions. You may put your fear to rest. You may not put it to rest. But when you feel your body getting that feeling of anger that surmounts and overcomes, that washes you in reaction, in action, breathe three deep breaths. Pull in the energy of God. And for a moment, just long enough to take three deep breaths. 
God to temp down, to pass down that you're feeling. To give you words to speak in love. It's not an illusion. It's something we can do. It's as basic as the Pope telling us people don't gossip. It's worse than COVID. It absolutely is because gossip is based on assumptions about what other people are thinking and doing. And that's what all of this is about, assumptions about what people are thinking and doing that are being propagated. Yet only the individual person who is acting at the moment knows what they are thinking and why they are doing it. We almost need, back in the day we used to do group hugs, we almost need a a giant group hug. And then we all sit in a circle and we do kumbaya. I know this sounds naive, but folks, we need to get outside the norm of how we're reacting The problems in this country will not be solved in Washington, D.C., nor in the state capitals. The solutions to the problems we are facing will be solved within us. And we have a choice. We can allow our solutions to be motivated by fear, which is consistent with man's history forever. Or they can be motivated by love. And I suggest to you that love is the answer. That when you set aside judging, which we've a book that's very old has already told us to do, when you set aside disdain, when you set aside hate, when you set aside fear, and when you embrace loving others as you love yourself, as you would want to be treated if you were that person and had lived that person's life. It's amazing. God will guide you, but you need to invite God. You need to invite God in. I would like to do a closing meditation with you. And I'm looking at how much time we have, and I'm recognizing that using this computer to do this is not quite like being in a radio station, so my talking over music is tough. But I'm going to put on first light, because that's what we're asking for in ourselves right now. This is the day the Lord hath given. Rejoice and be glad in it. We are asking for the first light of today. And if we fail at being that light today, let us ask for the first light tomorrow. And every day, believing that God is there to help you be the light. I'd like you at this point, if you can, to get comfortable. Everyone has their own comfortable position. 
I've had some people who've read me and said that when they start meditating, they fall asleep, and that's okay. Because when we're asleep, we're totally open to God. Let's take three deep breaths together. Let's pull our breath from the soles of our feet so that we can keep these as deep breaths. Pull the breath up, front of your calves, your thighs, down your buttocks, and crossing over to the base chakra. Let us release fear into the earth from which it came and have faith that God is there to light our path. We don't need to be afraid. We just need to know love and be with God. Let us pull our fearless breath up to the sacral chakra. When you're sipping in your breath, you don't have to hold it. Don't worry about it. You need more air. You're singing. Because meditation is singing with God. So you pull your breath up to the sacral chakra. The zone of creativity. You just pause there. And it's the area between your navel and your pubic with loving, healing, creating energy. Inspiring the creative community as we pull our breath next to the sacral shelf. Below the heart, the zone of healing. And feel that chakra with fearless and creative breath. Feel the healing of emotions and society as well as your physical body. Pulling 
it is healing, loving, forgiving, manifesting breath up to your front back of the top of your Next week, time we speak, peace be with you.